And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am also Mike, and I will be joined by Mike One soon, in perhaps about 10 minutes or so, for part two of our massive summer Oscar race checkpoint catch-up recording session that we did a few days ago at the beginning of this holiday week. I hope you guys enjoyed all your cookouts, and uh, I appreciate Mike One editing part one of this Uh, so fast and getting it out there to you guys i am editing part two and as i'm doing that i feel compelled to tack on a new introduction here for two reasons number one i just watched an awesome movie that i wanted to tell you guys about it rocketed into my top 10 of the year which i'm actually going to give you uh at the end of this introduction as well I think uh, I get excited about movies like this when they when, when they can work. I guess puns intended with that, Jesus. Anyway, I'm going to be vague about what that movie is for the moment to keep you in suspense. But part two, uh, for the reasons why I'm doing this intro right now, is that Killers of the Flower Moon dropped a second trailer. And we are going to feature uh, a trailer thoughts segment later in this episode uh, that's going to be nine trailers deep and i don't know how i could do an oscar trailer segment without touching on killers of the flower moon uh, and their new first look here now i'm going to be vague about the plot points given away in this killers of the flower moon trailer so don't worry uh, if you are trailer averse mike and i do try to give those segments to you guys later in episodes so that you can navigate us in that regard Uh, i was also aggravated about this uh plot point that david ehrlich of indiewire he's one of our favorite film critics he gave away this plot point in the trailer uh during his can review of killers of the flower moon that was really getting to me and i had mentioned it back when I am relieved somewhat that this seems to be more of a piece of premise information than a story revelation for Killers of the Flower Moon. So I'll just say that much and I'll take David Ehrlich off of my shit list in that regard. But I will remain vague for you guys just the same and I'll give some broader takes in this trailer review. So here's what I will say. I can now understand why Martin Scorsese is all over this project, why he's so passionate about the length and the money and and getting this cast involved because these particular murders seem to be a derivative of and a historical turning point for so many of the stories that Scorsese has told throughout his career. I mean, this is a nexus moment, uh, not just in terms of his cast, you know, he did decades of work with Robert De Niro. He's done decades of work with Leonardo DiCaprio. They are sharing scenes in this trailer. They are in a showdown, a battle of wits in this trailer. And you got to see that if you're a fan of Marty's CV. But you have the birth of the FBI as part of the subtitle of the Killers of the Flower Moon book by David Gran. And and although I knew that, I did not fully grasp how much of an organized crime versus fed story this was likely to be. And Scorsese was made. He was born to make this movie, excuse me. So this is going to be a gangster film for much of it. It's it's not necessarily going to be the who done it 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe it is, but it doesn't seem like it is going to be the whodunit mystery I was expecting in a way. So this is much more in his wheelhouse. It's a turf war between uh, several forces involved that they frame very well in this trailer. So I want to say as an Oscars pundit that I do think the performances that we glimpse from Lily Gladstone and Leonardo DiCaprio, those seem to be showcased. Those seem to be nuanced. We're getting, we're getting big emotional blowout scenes for both of them. And we're getting these subtle character moments where I'm just, I'm pulled in like a tractor beam to both of their, both of their performances in this trailer. I would expect they are the two leads based on the framing and based on the buzz I have heard, which opens up a lot of supporting actor possibilities for Killers of the Flower Moon. I mean, you have Jesse Plemons stealing scenes in this trailer just with a hard blink of his eye. (laughs) He is a detective trying to figure out a clue, and my God, he is, like I have been saying for years now, especially from Judas and the Black Messiah and The Power of the Dog, he is one of the best actors on the planet, and he's showcasing himself yet again. So it would not shock me if he's a best supporting actor play. Robert De Niro, he is looming large throughout this trailer. He gets some of the biggest quotes. He gets some of the themes of the movie that he is is just chewing scenery and and with relish he's delivering those lines, and I I love it. I think... uh, I think the pacing of this film is a little too quick, necessarily, for what we're going to actually get in the movie. So I do want to warn you guys of that. I know I myself feel, I always feel like a trailer is deceptive in that regard. Like, you'll get these long dramas that can bore you in in, in many ways uh, after you go see them in the theaters with these snappy, crazy fast-paced trailers that uh you're wondering that they why did they cut all of the action all the few spaced out sparse action scenes of the movie into that one trailer well number one the montage of violence and the montage of action in this particular killers of the flower flower moon trailer it is dense so it seems like there's a lot of action set pieces here maybe this is not going to be a Scorsese film that goes as fast as Goodfellas or Departed, but I am guessing this will be Irishman levels of pacing, and like I said, three hours and 26 minutes. You're getting you're getting a long sit no matter what here, but I am thrilled with the conflicts of this story. I'm intrigued, beyond intrigued, on how they framed it here. I'm dying to know how it all plays out, and I'm leaving this trailer of killers of the flower moon so uh, with so much more anticipation for the film i would not have put this in my top three or five uh, most anticipated films of the year uh what we have left mission impossible was always up there for me challengers was always up there for me and uh you'll see why later in this episode why that's still the case and and killers of the flower moon has got to be way up there on my list I, i don't have the rest of the year in front of me now but it's it's definitely going to be one of my most anticipated uh tantu cardinal brendan frazier you get some glimpses of their performances as well that you never know they could crash into the supporting actor category uh otherwise the the nominations for production design costumes and, and cinematography those seem likely to me especially after 
what we've seen in the trailers for Killers of the Flower Moon. Scorsese has recreated 1920s Oklahoma, and Rodrigo Prieto is about to get his fourth nomination for cinematography. Because even in a, like a montage as fast-moving as this one was, you can see one crane shot after another. You can see the, the trademark Scorsese camera movement uh, and one drone shot after the next. He's doing some slow-mo shots where it's pristine crisp visuals and i just think killers of the flower moon is going to be a heavily nominated movie i don't think i'm going out on a limb there so glad i got the chance to add that trailer review to what's going to be a trailer focused episode here but i also want to add a movie review and this of course will be non-spoilers for sanctuary sanctuary has vaulted into the my top 10 films of the year and i'll end with those 10 but for seven dollars guys on vod like this is a good watch even though it's only 96 minutes uh it's a snappy watch it's Sanctuary is a steamy erotic thriller. There's no avoiding that. <laughs> and if you're a pearl clutcher out there, and some of you are, that's fine. Yeah, maybe this is not for you necessarily, but I was expecting what you get with most steamy erotic thrillers. So that'll tell you a lot about me. I was expecting softcore after dark type of <laughs> eroticism here. And think again, like you don't need that content advisory at, at all. This is particularly language based in that regard. But what's so awesome about Sanctuary is the screenplay prowess here. I am so impressed with the battle of wits between these two characters, with the chamber piece, cat and mouse game, to use that term yet again today. You have this ascending Fortune 500 CEO played by Christopher Abbott of Possessor, Black Bear, and On the Count of Three. And his Hal character is trying to fire his dominatrix, his longtime dominatrix, Rebecca, played by Margaret Qualley of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, stars at noon, made in the upcoming Driveaway Dolls a trailer uh, that we'll review later in the episode. But I am so impressed with Zachary Wigon. Wigon, I'll have to learn how to pronounce his name, the director and screenwriter Micah Bloomberg. I'm not familiar with their earlier work, but Neon swooped this up from a couple of Toronto film festivals ago back in 2022. They're releasing that out now. It had a brief life in theaters. I did not go see it in theaters, but I'm so glad I found it on VOD because this is not an easy type of story to pull off, but when they're done well from the sleuths to the before sunrises, they can become classics in my book. And, and Sanctuary is done very well. I am, I am caught in the drama of this throughout. And yes, you'll get this, I guess, story structure, this character structure attempted in many cases. But nowadays, I don't know if people are as receptive for them, these high-level conflict stories. Malcolm and Marie was very polarizing, very divisive on Netflix, even though I loved it. So for every sleuther before sunrise, you get either a polarizing film like Malcolm and Marie or you just get some duds that don't work and I won't list those but I did come in with with a list of those because they're out there so with Sanctuary if you're not clutching pearls regarding all the sex talk then I 
cannot be helped but being be mesmerized by all the twisty plot here so this is much more of a quote-unquote serious people version of the roman and jerry storyline from succession season three with all the implications thereof folks uh and i was completely swept up in sanctuary for its 96 minutes so this movie has a lot more heart a lot more humor it's a little scary at times it's 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 a thriller in the most obvious sense 88 B plus all day sanctuary has jumped in my top 10 then a list right now I don't think it's any surprise for you guys that's across the spider versus my number one John Wick 4 that's my number two Guardians volume three or air it's kind of a toss-up between what's my number three and four right now but I love the uh the Matt Damon Ben Affleck movie air you guys know that and I'm a huge Guardians fan so those are my three four I have Guardians as my three and my air uh air is my number four otherwise Rye Lane is my number five Asteroid City six are you there god it's me margaret is my seven and sanctuary is now in my eighth spot uh over a thousand and one in blackberry that's my top 10 right now a lot of those uh movies are available on vod for you blackberry is another really good watch that mike and i have both reviewed on several occasions a thousand and one is available on peacock are you are you there god it's me margaret is pvod with uh, Rye Lane on Hulu and Asteroid City coming to VOD pretty soon. And oh, by the way, I almost rewatched John Wick Chapter Four. That was available for six dollars now on VOD, so you guys can check that out. All right, that is my tacked-on introduction today for this Oscar Ace Checkpoint catch-up conversation with Mike One. We're gonna have a lot of fun going into some awards, uh, literally awards uh, news from the HCA Midseason Awards here. Uh, we'll end with the big trailer thoughts segment. We got a centerpiece of the Turner Classics movies drama with, uh, with David Zasloff and WB. And, of course, uh, we will uh, dive into a lot of uh, film news that will bounce around the release date calendar, et cetera, et cetera. So here we go. So let's talk about it. The uh, sixth annual Hollywood Critics Association Midseason Awards have been presented, Mike. Yeah, and some quick history on the HCA Midseason Awards. Last year, they were very predictive in the sense that everything, everywhere, all at once won seven HCA Midseason Awards, including eventual Oscar wins, picture, director, screenplay, Michelle Yeoh, and Kihei Kwan. That can be expected, I would say, say, after last year, after the darling that EEAAO was Mm -hmm. in previous seasons before that. 2021 had In the Heights as the big winner. The Five Bloods the year before that, winning four. Booksmart winning five HCA Midseason Awards in 2019. And in 2018, predictive in the sense that they gave out one award, and that one award went to Black Panther, which went on to some Oscar success. This year, covering the first half of 2023, it was Past Lives that took home three awards. They led the tally. Air won two. And otherwise, the big winner was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which won Best Picture and Director. This doesn't hurt the buzz for Across the Spider-Verse in terms of its best picture chances, Michael, at least in terms of a nomination. I would certainly bet on that happening right now. How about you? I mean, it's definitely one animated feature, right? We talked about, I mean, in all likelihood, it seems like that category is wrapped up. So 
yeah, when you have an animated feature that's that dominant, the next place to talk about is the best picture category. So I would, yeah, I right now I would expect it to be there. And I know I don't love all the blockbusters of the year, but I love a lot of these movies, and I like this HCA 10. I would have a couple substitutions, but the nominations for that best picture category that Across the Spider-Verse 1 include Air, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, Asteroid City, Blackberry, Creed 3, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, John Wick Chapter 4, and Past Lives. Solid list. I would have had Rye Lane and 1001 in there, but both of those films got love in the indie category. What are you taking out? I'm taking out Creed 3. I wasn't quite as high on Creed yep. 3. And I'm taking out... I mean, I like Dungeons & Dragons, but I don't yeah. think it's best those picture. Those are the two I was eyeing as well. Even though, I, I again, I like the, the movies, but Rye Lane and 1001 are just graded higher for me. But it's a, it's been a good year in terms of movies. It's just been a bad year in terms of... Some box office results, yeah. at least for the summer. But, yeah, we got some good winners here, though, Mike. Uh, run down the acting awards. Matt Damon won Best Actor for his role in Air. Greta Lee wins Best Actress for Past Lives. Glenn Howerton wins Supporting Actor. Maybe a little bit of category fraud there. I don't know. It's up to you to decide. For Blackberry. And Viola Davis takes Supporting Actress for her role in Air. Yeah, Best Screenplay went to Celine Song's Past Lives, which also won Best Indie Film. Yeah, Good Day for Past Lives with Greta Lee, uh, Celine Song, and Indie Film. Stunts otherwise went to John Wick Chapter 4, and they have a cool award, the most anticipated, that went to Barbie this year. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a previous winner. Black Klansman was a previous winner. You can go back and see some good movies taking that prize. So, yeah, Barbie being very anticipated. Michael, my I'm one... I'm sure that's an apology to Saw X. Yes. Let's <laughs> let's apologize for Paul Saw X all we need to. I don't care about that movie. Uh, but look at my big issue actually comes with a horror movie here. Megan won over Evil Dead Rise, Infinity Pool, Scream 6, and Knock at the Cabin. I don't dislike Megan all that much. I know you were harsh with it, or at least in terms yeah, of your I'm expectations. Crazy about it either. But I'm ranking those four horror films, those other nominees, way higher than Megan. I haven't seen Infinity Pool yet. I would put Megan above Knock at the Cabin, but would definitely, you? definitely behind Scream 6 and Evil Dead Rise. Okay. So we're, we're sort of in agreement there. But these are always fun. Last year, they were very predictive. It'd be cool if the HEA Critics Awards at, at the midseason point became this big event. And I'm rooting for those guys. They do a nice job with their end-of-season awards, let's just say. So we'll see. Yeah, it's also cool that we've had some serious Oscars players released in the first half of the, well, you know, recent yeah. years in which the HCA has been doing this. So it adds some another level of seriousness to it as the award season, the Academy season is kind of changing. Yeah. We're rooting for that. We do a year round Oscars podcast. Please, (laughs) please release, release movies that could contend around the calendar. And I'll uh, talk. Yeah. We both had the same transition in mind. I'm stepping all over you so far this episode and it's not going to get better, Mike. It's not going to get better. It's our second hour of recording, but (laughs) we do have some release date, real estate to discuss Disney, made a bunch of changes. We'll start with those. The MCU is kind of moving back for obvious reasons. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty has moved back from May 2nd, 2025, all the way to May 1st of 2026, Michael. wonder why. Um, 
Just give Donald Glover the Kang role. Yeah. And just say he's Kang from a different multiverse. And I understand the idea of Kang is that he can hop multiverses, but like, are any of us going to complain that you need to bend the rules in order to have Donald Glover be the next Thanos level baddie? No, I'm not complaining. He right? did show up in like the Spider-Verse. Yeah, he's been in a couple. He's been in, I think, one Spider-Man movie and a Spider-Verse movie. Mm-hmm. So, but who cares? Right. Do you care? Would you care? I, I want I want more Donald Glover in the MCU. Yeah, I would so, agree. I, and Kang is not going away. I mean, they're not going to change the, the entirety of... And if you believe the rumors online for a certain post-credit scene, Kang is still kicking around heavily, so... I don't know how they can look at that lawsuit and that pro- that legal process right now, Disney, and feel good about... It can't be Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors going forward with this property. It's just not going to work, is it? I mean, I, that, the cynical side of my brain said, well, they're kicking that out a year to hope that the fervor dies down so they can just keep Jonathan Majors in the role. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, um, I, I, Cap- I don't want it either. Captain America, Brave New World... That has shifted back just a couple of months from May of 2024 to July, late July, in fact. Thunderbolts, that is the uh, the Florence Pugh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus mm-hmm. movie. That's that's moving from July 7-26-24, the, the, the new Captain America Brave New World date, all the way back to Christmas 1220 of 2024 and then blade which i don't know if it's ever coming out because that movie keeps getting pushed back to, that's a matt negley joke i agree with yeah. him. uh september 4th 2024 getting pushed back to february 14th 2025 because nothing says valentine's day like blade right no. i mean what are we doing they are vampires right there's a lot of blood and heart and stuff that they gotta feast on. I, I think the twilight movies did they come out february no did they? I don't even remember. You're asking me about the Twilight movies? Did the Twilight movies come out Valentine's Day? Probably I'll not. Say, I'll say yes and never think about it again, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, as far as the MCU goes, I think we're going to learn an awful lot about the sustainability of the post-Captain America, post, you know, the post-Chris Evans Captain America, I should say, post-Robert Downey Jr. phases of the MCU from these three films, because... I mean, are crowds going to show up for Anthony Mackie's Captain film debut? Is there going to be enough belief in Florence Pugh and Julia Louis-Dreyfus to carry the Thunderbirds to the Guardians of the Galaxy's type success at the box office? Is Blade going to be alluring enough and have good enough word of mouth to overcome all its production woes? I mean, if these box offices are strong, then there's a lot of good feelings and a lot of happiness in the MCU for seeing where they are in a post-RDJ world, a post-Robert Downey world. If these box offices are tepid on back-to-back-to-back movies like this, uh, it might be dark times ahead for Kevin Feige and company. Look, they're going to have to differentiate some budgets at some point and, and be more economical, like like everybody's been saying. But, look, uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was a solid show, Thunderbolts mm-hmm. has gotten a couple of uh, precursors on Disney Plus there from the, the Hawkeye show to the, again, the Captain America show there. And, like, Blade is perhaps the one that, that has the old IP uh, and, and all those old fans waiting for it with, with bated breath here. So, I don't know. I think th- those movies look cool. I'm rooting for them. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. They don't necessarily have the draw of, let's say, Fantastic Four 
which got mm-hmm. moved from the, the February 14th, 2025 date all the way back to May, uh, a couple months later, May 2nd of 2025. So I wonder if this is because they don't have their Fantastic Four yet, because if you were to believe the rumors online about a month ago, your Fantastic Four was Adam Driver, Margot Robbie, Paul Mezcal as the Human Torch, hmm. and either David Diggs or Mila Kunis <laughs> as the thing. I will go with either, but Mila Kunis would be funny. She's got a great That'd be great. for that. I, I think it would have been very unique, but the last few days, it's been rumored that Adam Driver's casting is out and Matthew Smith may be in, but huh. maybe Matthew Smith isn't going to be a Fantastic Four movie member. Maybe he's going to play Doctor Doom instead, or wait, no. Wait, another site says maybe Driver is going to be originally brought in to play Doctor Doom, but there was worries that Doctor Doom's character would be too similar to Kylo Ren, so that's why they wanted him to be in the Fantastic Four in the first place. Uh, and, and we don't know if it's going to be Mila Kunis, or is that a joke, or is it going to be... Div- we don't know anything about what's actually going on with the Fantastic Four. The only consistent thing in the rumors has been Margot Robbie. Hey, you know Sue what Storm. would be great? If they had, like, this giant convention where all the fans <laughs> and studios would come together and you could you can make these big cool announcements and you can set these things up and and get the fan fervor to be just mm-hmm. uh, just galvanized in mm-hmm. one spot on the calendar that would be great if they could do that yeah, we talked last episode how Comic-Con is not happening for any of these major studios. I wonder if that's a blessing in disguise for the MCU, because if they don't have their casting down set, maybe they they were thinking about skipping anyway, or maybe they were going to unveil their Fantastic Four at this Comic-Con, which isn't happening now. Well, Comic-Con is happening, but Marvel when, won't be there. When is the Dis- Disney Expo? I want to say that's like an August or a September thing, right? I don't even remember when the hell that is. Again, I got to look. By the way, good, Twilight's, good, good at least the New Moon Saga, came out in November. To, to uh, Disney Expo, just Google. This is this is what part two. <laughs> Twilight came out in November because they were angling for the best picture. Uh, FYP, Disney yeah. Expo 2022. Is it called the D23 Expo? Yeah, the D23 Expo of 2022 was September 9th there of last go. year. All right. Anyway, we have MCU films moving up on the calendar. Deadpool three got bumped up to May. Third of 2024, uh, that was bumped up from November. Otherwise, we have Disney shifts Avatar 3 shifting back a year from December 20th, 2024 to December 19th of 2025. Avatar 4 shifting what? Back from 2026 all the way to 2029. Avatar 4 in 2029. Avatar 5 from 2028 all the way back to 2031, Michael. Who could possibly care? <laughs> Who cares? What are we taught? Enough! Enough! Who cares? 2031 for Avatar 5? Shut up! Uh, well, if they make as much progress as they did from the plot of Avatar 1 to Avatar 2, from Avatar 3 to Avatar 5, then I, I get it. I, I do get it. <laughs> The story is going slower than George R. R. Martin and the Miranese Knot. <laughs> Don't you know, Mike? Story. It's just, it's just blue people. <laughs> They're blue. They are pretty, Ugh. pretty, pretty blue. I'm not seeing those movies. I know you're not seeing them. I, I know I'm seeing them by myself. I know this. Not adding to the fraud. I don't want is. you to see them. 
I don't watch. Oh, I'm, I'm going to see him now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Reverse psychology is the most powerful weapon against Mike One, and I just cross the streams, folks. Moana, the live-action remake of Moana, that is moving from July to, yeah, moving up a week. Why did I include that? Anyway, that Moana, the live-action remake starring The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, coming out June 27th of 2025. Otherwise, this was cool, and I'm glad to see this is still in the pipeline. A Taika Waititi Star Wars film yeah. is still scheduled for May 22nd of 2026. That got moved from December 19th of 2025, but still, May of 2026, we're getting another Star Wars film. There's one. There's one on the schedule, Mike. What year is it right now? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's talk about some Netflix release date additions. But this is all localized. We can right. we can get into this. We have Bird Box Barcelona. It's coming out July 14th. We have the documentary The Deepest Breath, which did very well at Sundance, by the way, at least in terms of critical reception. July 19th. Spachemin. Mm-hmm. Spaceman, this movie that we've been talking about in Oscar year and preview series for almost as long as Next Goal wins, Michael. Spaceman is coming out in the Oscary month of July, this this July 2023, according to Netflix. When is that? Now. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's now. Uh, do you think this is going to be a funny movie at all? It better be if it's coming out in July. Adventure, drama, and sci-fi are the three categories listed, three genres listed on IMDb. Do you expect this to hit your Netflix soon? Adam Sandler talking to an alien spider. As in, do I think it's actually coming out in July? Have you, have you seen anything for this? Wouldn't they no. have a there's not even a There's not even a picture up Th- on the IMDb page. This is not happening. This is Netflix Wikipedia buffoonery right here. Where's <laughs> Andrew Morgan when you need them? When, when you need him? Uh... Chicken Run 2, Dawn of the Nugget. Love it. Go F yourself, Chicken Run 2, <laughs> Dawn of the Nugget. December 15th, 2023. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. I don't care. I hate that title. Otherwise, we have Nyad. How could you hate that title? That title is nonsense. It's, it's like about Escape from Hat levels of good. Chicken Chickens running from extermination and getting eaten, but we're glorifying the most disgusting use of the chickens <laughs> nugget form in a jokey joke yeah I just I don't understand people I don't dawn understand. of the nugget <laughs> uh, Sony moves some stuff around and again this is Oscary news here Michael dumb money has moved from October 20th 2023 a solid Oscar release date yeah to the under the five minute standing ovation rule line of demarcation of September 22nd, twenty twenty. Not happy. I'm not happy with that. I have more thoughts on the new... I, I was able to rationalize it quickly in my head, and I'll talk about it when we do the trailer for Dumb Money. All right, later. good. Uh, otherwise, we have the Book of Clarence. I, look, I was worried about the Book of Clarence for people getting up in arms about the religious issues that they may yeah. have with this movie, if it is, in fact, a movie about, I don't know, an alternate religious history. The Book of Clarence has moved out of 2023. It was supposed to come out in September, late September, and it will now come out in January of 2024, January 12th to be exact. That's my birthday. All right, but your birthday is not an Oscar release date, Mike. It is for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, fine. <laughs> I will let you have that W. <laughs> Eileen, the uh, Anne Hathaway, Thomason McKenzie film from Sundance. That is getting an Oscar release of December 8th. I got nothing on that. Well, I'm just saying it's got an Oscar release. That December is, 8th. Is, is, December is uh, squarely in the, the Oscar-y feels. It is. It is. Yeah. Dumb Money, Stock Down, Book of Clarence, yeah, Stock Out. That. That's not happening for Oscars yeah. any longer. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about what happened with Turner Classic Movies over the last couple weeks here. Okay, I don't know how to summarize this, but basically there were layoffs and curators were added after a meeting. I mean, how are these guys on standby? From Spielberg, Scorsese, and PTA, they had a summit with David Zasloff. He then put Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi, two of his higher-ups, in charge as curators, but then that didn't that didn't uh, satisfy no, they're still, people. They're, they're still there, so uh, it is a weird story. But and look, there are a lot Spielberg, of PTA, and Scorsese are now involved. They're guiding well, they're the program. Cure, yeah, they're the cure. So, all right, let's talk about the infinite wisdom of, of one David Zasloff here, because uh, that seemed to roll on when he decided to cut the Turner Classic movie, the TCM workforce, including longtime TCM programmer Charlie Tabesh, by about 100 or so employees last month. And as part of the change, the team of Michael DeLuca and Pamela Adby were slated to take over and slotted in leadership positions at TCM. Now, they're in charge of, like, the whole studio, aren't they? So, yes. Okay. Yes. It's not like they don't have enough shit to do. Well, as an aside, (laughs) like... Do Michael DeLuca and Pamela Adby just have photos of every studio executive in Hollywood, or are they just the greatest people to never get a chance at running a major studio? Because I don't think we've ever had any two non-actor, non-director names mentioned in tandem on this show as often in the past five years as we have talked about these two. They've been with MGM, and we've talked about them. Then they went to Amazon, and we've talked about them. Then they went to WB, and we've talked about them. And now they're slated to run Turner Classic, and we're talking about them. While still running WB. Or am I confused? I I don't know if they got moved from their position in WB or if this is now what they do in WB. I can't imagine they have too many other hats in running an entire arm of of the WB. I feel like like this is is succession season four level fuckery. (laughs) That's what I feel this is. Well, well, in the interim of uh, DeLuca and Adby being slated in to run TCM now, There was a a powerhouse director trio of Steven Spielberg, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Martin Scorsese. They all made it their business to meet personally with David Zasloff to address their concerns over their love and what they think is the importance of Turner Classic Movie to, you know, maintaining the history and preserving the history of film. Good! Yes, great move. And because of that meeting, Zaz kind of did it. Somewhat of an about face. There's still a lot of people that have lost their jobs because, you know, you got to save that money somewhere, baby. But... Uh, Zaslav announced that those three directors, Spielberg, PTA, and Scorsese, would act as personal curators for the new Turner Classic, and longtime programmer Charlie Tabesh would stay in his role as the longtime pro as a programmer of TCM, the programmer, and he would report directly to head honchos DeLuca and Adby. 
So, so they only fired 99 people. Right. It went from a story where it seemed like Turner Classic was being on the chopping block completely and kind of being undercut and undercut on its way to being phased out to now, I mean, yes, it's unfortunate a lot of people lost their jobs, but it seems like maybe there's a, a new strengthening of the Turner Classic movie brand because of the that director triumphant who are going to be now working directly for TCM, which is a good thing, I think. It's hopefully a good thing. We need to save Turner Classic Movies. I know you've been a fan of it for a long time. I love it, yeah. Uh, a lot of my family members love it, for sure. Uh, most of all, my mom. And I love the the tile on Max with Turner Classic Movies. And it's I'm not there anymore. clicking on that. It's not there anymore? No. Max, Max has taken away their tiles completely, and I don't know how to find Turner Classic on the new Max, and I hate it. Is it a hub? I, 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 if it is, I haven't been able to find it. I haven't been on Max recently, but yeah, recently is like the last week. It's not- oh, really? I went. I mean, I looked for it like two days ago, and, and maybe I'm dumb because I just don't know how to work the new layout of Max, but I, I could not find my TCM hub. Well, I'll have to, at the next two-part Oscar race checkpoint extravaganza, <laughs> I'll have to get back to you guys. We'll both have to get back to you guys on the tcm presence on max (sighs) otherwise we could end the wb section here with some more positive news you would think the dcu has tabbed a new superman and lois for james james gunn's upcoming superman legacy film we have david corn sweat he will be superman of course and Rachel Brosnahan will be Lois Lane. Corn Sweat, he is the projectionist in Ty West's film Pearl. He has a run-in with a pitchfork. <laughs> uh, he also starred in two Ryan Murphy Netflix shows that nobody watched, The Politician and Hollywood. Otherwise, he hails from Philly. I, uh, I did watch We Own the City, that miniseries on HBO that okay. he was in, but uh, I, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup. There's an IMDb quote from him calling or talking about his love for Superman and the fact that he wants that his pie in the sky dream is to play Superman. And uh, he would quote, love to see somebody do an up bat, upbeat throwback take on Superman, unquote. I, I don't want to objectify the poor lad. He, he's handsome. He's very handsome. He might need to add some muscle, though. Yeah, but people were I, I when Twitter was still working, people were sending <laughs> very svelte pictures of Henry Cavill in a Superman shirt and mm. people don't realize and you clearly don't realize uh the power of steroids and human growth <laughs> hormone. Yes. Of I'm all sure the people he will be introduced to those very very this, quickly. This yeah. super fan of professional wrestling that I am speaking yeah. to on this. Well, that's because, that's why I don't recognize them because they don't exist in my mind. I think that's all media bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are just naturally big. What are you talking about? That's that's a you take. Know what? Do a switcheroo. Give Brosnahan the steroids. <laughs> Lois Lane. Let's just get a jacked up, juiced up Lois Lane. <laughs> Lois Lane being played by Rachel Brosnahan. Uh, <laughs> Where she just takes Doomsday and snaps him in half with her bare hands. Is she is she ever uh, uh, not a civilian in any of the comics? Lois Lane? Yeah, I don't know. No, no. She's like the the center. She's Superman's like tether to reality. 
uh, at least we get a, an Emmy-winning actress from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel with comedy chops for a James Gunn film if he wants to do some comedy. And go. she's had dramatic chops, too. too. I mean, She's, she's going to be great. I'm your woman, the courier. She's been doing good work lately, and and certainly I loved the final season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So these are some inspired castings. I mean, you get a newcomer, and you get, you know, so a newcomer with some bona fides, and Rachel Brosnahan, an Emmy winner. Why not? And I have a new favorite kind of sweat, which is good. <laughs> Am I pronouncing his name right? I don't even know. Corson sweat. Twitter's not working. <laughs> Look, heads are falling off. We got nine trailers. There's a Dune 2 trailer. Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 2 has a trailer. Obviously, we got Chalamet Zendaya, Rebecca Ferguson. I can go through the cast. You guys know them. You love them. They're your favorites. Number one in your programs. Thanos. Number two in your hearts. I'm not saying that properly. This episode has gone off the rails. Michael, what would you think of this goddamn trailer? Look... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> using the Lord's name in vain, <laughs> give it up. I, I, it looks fine. I guess the fight scenes look dope. I wish Thor love and thunder hadn't already done the black and white world scenes because they probably would have been more impactful seeing them here for the first time. But those have, have been done already. I, I don't know. Here's what I'll say. The spaceship stuff of Dune is awesome. Like those flying eggs shooting at the caves. I'm all yeah. in for that. I love the dragonfly bug helicopters (laughs) of the first one. I mean, you're going to have Peach Boy versus Eggman, Elvis. You have Thanos versus Drax. I mean, those fight scenes are going to be awesome. And then you're going to have religious zealot Javier Bardem with those cult follower eyes, you know, talking to Zendaya about the leadership of all of his warriors and, you know, all the messianic stuff that Dune is going to... I think put a modern spin on. You have uh, Josh Brolin in a, in a very cynical way saying, a prophet, why is that a bad thing? Use it. Right? You yeah, have... but do you care about the story? I am not a fan of the story. I've read the book. I've seen the Lynch film. I don't like the, the way that story has played out in previous iterations. This may give the film an edge. If you're actually going to do like a behind the political campaign version of this, right? And, and get into all of the machinations of leading a rebellion that was to an extent handled in the book, but you know, under the clear light of day, you might get you might get some real I don't know, poly yeah. poly science. Maybe. I mean, I guess that's that's a reason to look forward to it. Maybe there's a, a political chess game. At the heart of this, I just I I was not excited by this. I mean, the trailer looks good. Christopher Walken has some dead eyes he, in this. He looks, huh? he looks like a dead person. He looks like a corpse. <laughs> he, he looks evil. He's giving uh, you the evil glance. I don't know. I think this is just another example of like the problem that big budget and you know studio epics have had this year. It's just like I you know I buy Zendaya as an ass kicker way more than I buy Timothy Chalamet as one. But I've seen Batista do this already. I've seen Josh Brolin do this already. Austin Butler will be fun to watch do this. I hope he's not killed off quickly. She is more of an antagonist in this trailer, it seems, to Chalamet in particular, than I thought was possible. And the fact that she gets... Because he's a wimp. Well, he's he's a political entity in this 
he's he wants to get vengeance for his family after the first film so zendaya the rightful leader or the rightful uh general of these armies is getting pushed aside very clearly in this trailer and you have and yet you have her playing out chalamet's war vision uh, of the of the prophecies in the first film she's getting all those same movements that we saw in the battle so that's cool but it's also kind of bittersweet because you know she's being relegated yeah i think this movie would be better without timothy chalamet's character (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the the white savior (laughs) protagonist of all however many books just like 30 books i I don't know i don't know how deep his character goes but he's there for a while yeah we'll move on we go to another Zendaya property as Challengers had its first look. Directed by Luca Guadagnino, starring Zendaya, Josh O'Connor of The Crown, and Mike Feist of West Side Stories, Michael. Remember Savages? Remember that movie with uh, with uh, Ryan Reynolds' wife there? Why can't I? Blake Lively? Blake Lively. Yeah. Aaron Taylor, yeah. Jo- Taylor Johnson. Yep, yep. You're now to replace the drugs in the cartel with tennis and media pressure, and that's the Challengers. There you go. Replaced all that with tennis? Yeah. Just replace the drugs with tennis. Okay. Uh, this is going to be steamy. Yeah. And, Rihanna, I, I, I don't know if you and I can handle how steamy it's going to be. <laughs> we can't. Rihanna, sh- and Rihanna should be used in every trailer because mm. of the steaminess here. That mm-hmm. S&M song. That's a great trailer song. It's a fantastic song. Really, really great trailer. But I think... You could almost put any of the other eight trailers to that song, and it, just as steamy. I think I would want to see Dune Part Two more if it was in that trailer. Then, yeah. Can we do like can TikTok do something useful <laughs> and just put every trailer that exists to that song? Either that or White Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, those are the every trailer should be to those two songs. Yeah, I agree. And Zendaya also, by the way, might be the greatest actress going because she can realistically play any age between 16 and 35. Like she could be a high school sweetheart in one superhero movie and then a desert fighting action hero in the next movie and then a menage a trois manipulative sex pot in the third movie, all while playing a drug drug addicted high school teen for multiple seasons on TV. Like she is unbelievable. She is. She's ageless. It's it's a great actress that can do this, and yeah. I'm rooting for her. And I, I, I want to see this movie. I really do. They, they did the job. They marketed the hell out of it. It's a three-hander. There's going to be three hands grabbing something. <laughs> all over. Hands all over, yeah. We're also going to have a ball cam. No, not mm-hmm. uh, not the one you perverts are thinking <laughs> I've of. I've always wanted one of those. On the tennis oh. ball, the tennis oh, ball mind. cam camera. I've lost interest, though. <laughs> She has terrible luck in movie men, though, doesn't she? No, she's with Spider-Man. Spider-Man? <laughs> Spider-Man. I mean, Mary Jane, at the point we've left her and him, it's not, not good luck. Not well, good that's luck. true. That's true. That's a good point. I was thinking of their real-life relationship. <laughs> also, if you're trying not to cheat on your wife with a former lover, why would you hang out with them in a sauna? Just A sauna in general had to be made by a pervert. And he just happened to sell it well. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's that's the best take we've ever had. Our combined brain powers. That's correct. Uh, also, what knee injury could she have gotten 
like in modern times that modern medicine wouldn't have her back in the professional ranks competing like Luca Guadagnino is thinking with a 1980s early 90s brain like possibly even an Achilles tendon heals with modern medicine fracture surgery and she lost her explosiveness like Amari yeah but that's then now Amari would (laughs) would be would be a glorious his jersey hanging from the Knicks rafters level (laughs) champion (laughs) if he got the same injuries I know this because I'm such a student of science. Mm. Uh, dumb money, dumb money. Got a fun trailer, Michael. You, you t- we talked about the release date, or at least we've addressed it. But this is from director Craig Gillespie of I Tanya, Pam and Tommy. Dumb money stars Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, Anthony Ramos, Seth Rogen, Mahala Harold of Bodies, 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 Vinis- Vincent D'Onofrio. I'll get his name right for Good once. Good job. Shailene Woodley, Nick Offerman, Sebastian Stan, Clancy Brown, America Ferreira, and Talia Ryder. Great cast. Yeah, I don't like the date being moved up. It moved from uh, 10-20 there up to September 22nd. And there's no explanation given, so I did a little digging. I suppose you can argue that they'd rather dumb money go up against Expendables 4, which is the, the same Excuse release you. date now. Excuse you. Expend Forbles. <laughs> You're right. Expend is, is how it's as how yes, you're right. My apologies there to you and possibly and probably how Arnold Schwarzenegger or no so sorry, Sylvester Stallone said the name at the Mathrigan, first time. Mathrigan, yeah. expend forbles. So there's nothing it's competing with if it opens September twenty second other than Expendables for until Craven the Hunter really comes along on October sixth. If they kept the uh original October twentieth release date, that's the same day as Flower Moon gets released, and then you're arguing and fighting with all the horror movies that are coming out the next week for Halloween. Okay. So I've rationalized this quickly in my head because I like this trailer and I want this to be an awards contender. Do you think this is gonna be an awards contender based on this trailer though? I don't get that sense, but I'm hopeful. I could see it being something like a big short. Yeah, the big short seemed a little more serious. This this plays like a comedy, and I don't. I'm not complaining. Like I thought, it was a funny trailer. I, I think it's, it's a comedy. I mean, it's kind of like the common man getting one. Over. I mean, that's the true story of what happened. Like a bunch of guys on Reddit got one over on Wall Street. And Wall Street flipped out. They were on the stock channels every day talking about how the stock market's not a game and it's not something you should gamble with. And they were just pissing their pants because they were all losing money. They've been had. I was not familiar with this true story. I definitely want to watch this movie now. Now that I know the premise. It looks like one guy's driving all the buying. If he's in, I'm in. I mean, all these cool movie quotes here. I I was a big fan. And I like the inverse of the dramatic actors, such as Paul Dano, Anthony Ramos, Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. Doing the comedic parts. And yet you have Seth Rogen and you have... Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. In, like, the supposed serious roles? That's what I took out of this most, or too. The, like I'm a, sorry. The, the com- comedic? I don't know. What was I saying? It's inverse, though. Well, if this was 15 years ago, Paul Dano's character would definitely be played by either... And Pete Davidson's character. Those would go to Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman. And mm-hmm. now we have Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman being the veterans, the, active, the, the industry veterans, that are playing the Hollywood and the establishment elite here. And the Wall Street guys. I think that's genius casting. Super inversive. Oh, man. Oh, and let me not downplay those guys. I mean, they've, Seth Rogen's been nominated for 
Emmys and has he been nominated for one Oscar? I'm thinking of Jonah Hill. That's my yeah, bias. No. Jonah Hill's got a couple. No. Seth Rogen's done some good dramatic work, and and certainly Ron Swanson's done some good dramatic work. He was mm-hmm. great in The Last of Us. Uh, Nick mm-hmm. Offerman there. So yeah, I'm in for this movie. I'm a big fan of Craig Gillespie. Cruella was another uh, a recent movie that we really liked, and then 2011's Fright Night is excellent in my opinion. How is Paul Walter Hauser not in this movie? <laughs> You're right. That's still... He, he still may show up, though, right? He better. Anyway. How dare you, Craig? You go with who got you to the dance. That's right. He should have. Maybe Paul Walter Hauser was just too busy, didn't we? Could be. This was my Say It Ain't So take from eight months ago. <laughs> Drive Away Dolls. The Coen brothers have officially separated for a while, at least in terms of their filmmaking lives. Brother Joel wasn't anywhere on this imdb page i don't think ethan was also nowhere on the tragedy of Macbeth's imdb page yeah. so ethan cohen co-wrote and directed drive away dolls here the film stars margaret qualley geraldine viswanathan pedro pascal beanie feldstein coleman domingo bill camp and matt damon the two leads are the first thing that stick out to me this is going to be a big year or it has been a big year already for margaret qualley and it is going to be a big year for geraldine viswanathan as well i agree i keep Wanting to hit play on Sanctuary. I have not done that yet. I don't no. know. I just, I, I have to watch that movie. But uh, just waiting for a moment. The right moment. But uh, I think uh, I think Mando is going to get his, uh, they're going to take that suitcase away from him. And if you're handcuffed to the suitcase, <laughs> you guys can, ew. Uh, you could handle a little hand cutting off. Okay, no? I guess. I watch Game of Thrones. I'm tough. Yeah. Uh, I like the Bill Camp joke. Still call me Curly. Isn't your name Curly? It is. It's just he's wearing a name tag with it too. That's the best part. Uh, but look at two best friends go on a road trip together and find a suitcase full of valuables that several gangsters are chasing. Isn't that the exact plot of Dumb and Dumber? <laughs> yes. What are we doing here? Yes, it is. you had a spare pair of gloves Oscar, this entire time. Oscar winning. <sighs> Writer, director, Ethan Cohen, you're just going to plagiarize Dumb and Dumber? I see what you're doing here, man. Maybe he did. Maybe it's like, you know, I can make this an Oscar movie, I bet. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the Cohen brothers and the Farrelly brothers have secretly traded brothers. (laughs) Because they're not working together either, the Farrelly brothers. Like those two guys on the Yankees who swapped families back in the 70s? Yeah, it's a a brother swap. (laughs) Um, do you get like promising young women vibes? A little bit. I, like I just... this is something that could upset award season, and it's not a typically award season-y type movie. But there's a big cast and a big powerhouse behind it, and I, I could see, I could I, see this making a little noise. I don't know what to make of this movie in terms of its awards chances because there was not a lot of uh, build up for it. But Focus Features is pushing it in september now right off the heels of some film festivals where it could premiere and you wonder you wonder if it's going to be like one of those movies where you get an early oscary possibility to it but it doesn't seem like an oscar film does it no and that's kind of what i mean i mean i would say neither did promising young woman when this trailer's first all, dropped. all right but so i don't know I, yeah. I love the cast and crew, and I'm, I'm in for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be happy. How did Matt Damon get attached to this is my, what I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, but he's one of the first guys with the case, and yeah. he's, he's holding it tightly in the diner. I loved it. So yeah. he's got that one shot. So I, I'm in for this movie. 
Driveway Dolls. Uh, Priscilla, or Priscilla. <laughs> Priscilla. <laughs> that was unintentional. Priscilla. My baby. Uh, baby co-written, Priscilla. co-written and directed by Sofia Coppola. <laughs> Lost the translation of the Virgin Suicides, the Beguiled Mary Antoinette on the rocks. Uh, Kaylee Spiney is Priscilla Presley here on the basis of sex, bad times at the El Royale. And then, of course, Mike, one favorite, Jacob Alordi is I'm Elvis. Out. <laughs> Euphoria, the kissing booth. At least four more films that look yeah. to be premiering this year. Yeah. At least at film festivals, The Sweeties, Saltburn, On Swift Horses, and he went that way. Not falling for it. <laughs> what would you have done in the 50s? You would have been just so suspicious of every Hollywood trade, <laughs> trying to get that next Hollywood star truly minted. And Olivia de Havilland may have you all fooled, see, but not me. <laughs> I like the A24 rug. I want an A24 rug. Now. Mike, I loved everything about this teaser. I was Good. obsessed with this teaser. Yeah. Like, it's just flashing visuals from, like, their wedding to their home life. There's a couple of scenes here. It's a far artsier look and far more pared-down look, simpler look at the Elvis and, and Priscilla marriage than obviously what we got from Boz last year with the Elvis movie. And How You Satisfy Me by Spectrum plays in the background with that electric piano sound. Oh, I was obsessed with it. For a teaser, I thought it was great. I'm a big fan of Sofia Coppola movies. She could knock something like this out of the park, especially if it's just this, mm-hmm. you know, intense drama about a marriage. or uh, And look, I mean, Jacob Elordi might be too tall, but... I'll buy into it. I am not. I don't have the biases. That's the least that you of have. his issues, if you ask me. You're right, but this was a trail. This was like a cool trailer for the trailer. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm sure. Like we'll be releasing this episode after the full trailer gets have, released. Do we have a release date for Priscilla? I don't know yet. I thought it was. It's been rumored for Venice. Okay, but I love the the, the October ending of 2023. This. It says. Oh, okay. Go ahead, sorry. I love the ending of this teaser based on the book Elvis and Me written by Priscilla Presley. So they're talking about the authenticity of the story. Yeah. I'm excited for that. This is, I mean, we got a an exciting, like, late summer, early fall schedule lining we up do. right now. We absolutely do. We'll, we'll take a trip into 2024 films for a second here. Pixar's Elio released a trailer, a teaser that is, written and directed by Adrian Molina. Uh, he's the writer of The Good Dinosaur, producer of Turning Red, and a crew member on Coco. The voice cast for Elio is Jamila Jamil, Jamil, uh, Brad Gale- Garrett, or, oh my God, America Ferreira. Just keep going. <laughs> Just push through. <laughs> Look, I thought this premise was adorable. The bring us your leader call into the space station and then the accidental cell phone call from the little boy to his mommy running the you know, running the station yeah. that's confused and he's beamed up. <laughs> it was, was very cute. Cute. And Pixar does cute very well. Pixar also needs a win, which may be like the first time in history you could say that about the company. Oh, they really need a win, especially after these last few. Right. But this I is mean, a higher concept at least, right? Y- yeah. I mean, I would argue that every Pixar movie is a high concept movie though. Like Elemental isn't a, a pretty high concept film that was a low concept i've made this joke before it was hilarious then it's still kind of funny now thank you for laughing but come on i mean well you have i mean the immigrant story but the people are all different i don't know that's that's not something that you can explain away in like four words can they reproduce fire and water 
Physically. Answer me that question. No. The answer to your question is Probably no. not. Probably not. Where did the... Where does it go? As you say on your home planet, okay, bye. I love you. <laughs> that was... That was a movie elemental mm. that I kind of liked, despite the uh, despite myself, which I hope you will like, Priscilla, despite your just irrational bias against Jacob Elordi, and I hope Pixar rebounds. All right, let's finish with Craven the Hunter and one more trailer. Craven the Hunter hits theaters October 6th, starring Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven. This is from Sony Marvel, a.k.a. Columbia Pictures here. Directed by J.C. Chandor of A Most Violent Year, Margin Call, All Is Lost, and Triple Frontier. Only one of those movies starring Ben Affleck can be considered something that might be a prerequisite to superhero films, Michael. <laughs> Otherwise, Craven also stars Ariana DeBose, Russell Crowe, Alessandro Nivola, Christopher Abbott, and Fred Hetchinger. He is weak, like his mother. Leave him. What is that accent they're making poor Russell Crowe do? And then the lion blood mixes with human blood, which, of course, scientifically, that means you become a superhero. That's that's what I learned. Uh, <laughs> he bites off a nose. There are spiders coming from the forest ceiling. Mm-hmm. Now that's a crossbow. <laughs> and then the best moment of the trailer is a bear trap to the face oh my god this movie looks disgusting it looks cool i mean it look i'm more i have more hope for this than i did morbius on first look and i know that's not saying much but it's still saying something you remember when everybody was like that's sick yeah for morbius no just when the culture kept saying sick <laughs> movie looks sick Yes. This movie looks do I sick. remember? Do I remember when when non-defined people described an intangible movie as being sick? Yes. Craven the Hunter looks sick. And okay. then Rhino is his brother. Like, yeah. I don't know. They could have gone with Paul Giamatti again. But... Yeah. I know. I'm with you there. <laughs> I'm kind of let down by Alessandro Nivola. And it's no fault of Alessandro Nivola's. <laughs> he was not great in the Sopranos prequel. It was, it was, it was annoying. Anyway, <laughs> maybe he should play that character as Rhino. I missed one more trailer. We got the Beanie Bubble and then Five Nights at Freddy's. Let's start with the Beanie Bubble. Great uh, transition from me. Yeah. Uh, Apple Original Films comes out on Apple TV Plus July twenty twenty or tra- July twenty eighth of twenty twenty three. The Beanie Bubble stars Geraldine Viswanathan, Elizabeth Banks, Zach Galifianakis, and Sarah Snook. Zach Galifianakis is without a mustache here, Michael. Yeah, he's going babyface. He looks weird. He's married to Shiv, though, so that's not going to go well for him. Probably not. Can't imagine that that marriage has a strong foundation, especially with the type of character Zach is playing. <laughs> that's a mistake. <laughs> she, she has been known to double cross people. Uh, yeah. Geraldine Viswamathan, you were saying she's in for a big year, and, yeah. and she looks like a one fun of the main players in here. This. Yeah, she's one of the subjects of the Max documentary. There was the HBO Max documentary back when she was one of the main interviewees of that film, and that works to get it from her perspective and. Yeah, you got Zach Galifianakis just chewing scenery in this one. 
so look it looks interesting it's a cool story it's based on real life i'm assuming it's about the actual beanie baby craze because otherwise why would you call it this is it actually about the these posable here's my problem but you didn't see the documentary is what you're you're revealing to me right now right no it's a good story is the documentary about the Beanie Babies themselves? Yes. It's about the Beanie Baby craze and the history of the TY company. So these are supposed to be Beanie Babies in this movie, yes? Yes. Okay. The That's Beanie what Bar- I was getting confused about. Like, you're making a Beanie Baby movie, but you didn't get the license to call them Beanie Babies from Ty? I don't know. They're- well, they didn't. I'm ta- I mean, they, they never referred to as Beanie Babies. They're not even actual, like, beanie-filled stuffed animals. They're just talked about as being posable cats. Weird. So uh, it's very odd to me. How Isn't that company, like, tits up? Couldn't you, like, you could look, talk about All I know is my local pharmacy still has Thai toys on the shelf, so. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're not. They, they may be from 2013 or 1999. I don't know. How much could it have cost Apple? Right. The most. <laughs> right. That's my point. The richest company on confusing. the planet to buy a license for a Beanie Babies movie. It's very confusing to me. <laughs> uh, man, I'd be shocked if that's the case. Anyway, we'll finish with Five Nights at Freddy's, starring Josh Hutcherson of The Hunger Games, Elizabeth Lale of You, and Matthew Lillard, of course, from Scooby-Doo and our favorite villainous character, perhaps, in Scream. And Scream 7. In Scream 7. PETA gets a security job from Shaggy Stumacher. <laughs> That's a mistake. Yes. Another character making another mistake. Yeah. Uh, in the 80s, kids went missing. There are ghost children possessing giant robots now. Yada, yada, yada. Didn't Jason Blum produce this? Isn't this a Blumhouse thing? Uh, yeah, I want to say. This is a big book franchise, right? It's a it's a big video game franchise. Big computer oh, it's a game video franchise. Game. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I know about Five Nights at Freddy's is that my 10-year-old nephew is terrified of it. Yeah, Jason Blum. Okay, um, so this is like scare the shit out of your kids. Yeah, good because um, they're they're. I don't they know need to if be scared. the story <laughs> keep them in line. I don't know <laughs> if the story in the game is that the the souls of the missing kids inhabit. I don't know if that's being done just for the movie. I kind of almost wish that wasn't part of it, even if that okay. is the lore. I'd rather it just be like animatronic evil toys, like it kind of is supposed to be in the video games. Animatronic toys are just creepy. Mm, yeah, they're creepy. They're creepy in and of themselves. They don't need the, the souls of missing children attached to them to However, make them more scary. Souls of missing children. I mean, also they could creepy. go either way. They could yeah. be the Black Phone or they could be Five Nights at Freddy's. That's true. Now we know. Um, I do know there. this has got to be hopes to open up a franchise here for this. I mean, they got to be banking on this having like two or three sequels minimum. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It's a bigger budget for a Blumhouse movie, though. $35 million. I know it's Universal Pictures. That'll make money. Okay. Five Nights at Freddy was wildly popular a couple years ago. That'll Good. make money. That movie will make money. They have Funko Pops from years do ago. Have, do they have Beanie Babies? I don't know that. You should I buy have, the Funko Pop. I have certain defined vices in my life right now. <laughs> I may or may not be staring at 10 Funko Pops. Mike sent me a video of his Funko Pops <laughs> not too long ago. And it is it is quite the I'm not even making fun like it is it, you have quite the class. The only thing I'll make fun of is that there is no coherent theme. It no. is just literally characters you like. 
characters I like. That's yeah. the theme. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's your money, so it might as well be. Characters that I like and can afford. Because <laughs> I don't want to spend more than like $15 per doll. I really try to get them at a lower price. But I've splurged on a couple. I will admit as much there. What's your but, most expensive? Well, I think I spent 50 on the goat. The uh, Black Phillip ah, from The that's Witch. That's not bad. 50 is not bad for a splurge. I may have spent 60 on Bigfoot. <laughs> it was $175. <laughs> All right, it was $70. I'm, I'm... That was Keep my going. most expensive one. Keep Everything going. else. No, no, no. Everything else was, was lower priced. $95.99. <laughs> I spent a couple hundred probably, but in my Funko Pop app on my phone, it's, mm-hmm. my collection's worth like two grand. Mm, there you go. That's you real money, app. you see. <laughs> the app tells me I have $2,000 worth of box dolls. Well. <laughs> I'm if gonna you can't believe the app. As a YouTube background someday. <laughs> you guys can't wait to see this grown-ass scraggly dude with Funko Pops behind his head. <laughs> As always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your Funko Pops. What do you have in your collection? As well, you can tell us your thoughts about any of these trailers or anything else we talked about in this, the part two of the Oscar race checkpoint from this week, or back in part one, if you want, as well as leaving us any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns on our social medias. As always, you can do so. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do or if we made you laugh, maybe even inadvertently, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, mm-hmm. we've, uh, we've, we've talked to, I mean, I don't know, I don't even know where we are. This has been a long recording. What's well, next? Let's have some words of wisdom. We executed the plan here. We wanted we did to well. do two one-hour episodes and that's what we've done. So We've done far worse previously. That's right. So yeah. we've actually executed the plan and uh, we'll hopefully get back to you guys with another episode soon. We want to do a film study on past lives. Hopefully we can get you three this week. We shall see. Uh, we have film studies on Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Barbie and Oppenheimer to look forward to during the rest of July, which I call the very late spring. Um <laughs> I just I think that more people should call it that. Uh, there's also going to be more Oscar race checkpoints with some unqualified Emmy nomination reactions and definitely some fall film festival lineup announcements. Uh, those are coming down the pike here. We're planning some special episodes as well with some special guests. So stay tuned on all of that in terms of some words of wisdom. I will say this, like this is picnic season. This is stay outside and grill season. Just this is advice for other people. This is not a note to self. This is just advice for all of you out there. I would not be telling myself any of this, but don't eat hot dogs every single day. Like once a week, (laughs) even two or three times a week, but every single day is not healthy. It's just not healthy for anybody. Um, Look. I have a very controversial take, and I think we've talked about it actually on on this before. Mm -hmm. I don't like grilled hot dogs. I far prefer boiled to grilled hot dogs. Well, that's insane. Um, (laughs) 
What about like if you went to a Super Duper Weenie or Raleigh's in Fairfield? No, I wouldn't order. Would a hot you dog. demand that they boil their hot dogs? I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't order hot They're dogs. They're all beef hot dogs. No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. You don't like the crunch, the snap? No, I just don't like it. Uh, I, I'm just. I don't understand. I've just never liked it. I don't know. I, it's like rubbery. I don't like it. All right. It's, but, but <laughs> not inside. The tech. So you're a textural eater, aren't you? You 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 recoil from certain textures. No, I really even don't. I'll try any. It's just more of I just don't. I don't know. I've never like I've always preferred boiled. Did you like I lose a tooth? Was, no, I was like brought up on boiled hot dogs than than okay. grilled hot dogs. You're a, you're also a Polish man. Yeah, that's true. And you boil a lot of things do, very we well. Like, we do like our boiled things. You're very we good. Haven't at advanced it. much as a people in our culinary skills. <laughs> no, you did the boiled Polish. Delicacies or, or babka, yeah, they're they're out there. Hmm. All right, we did let's, it. Uh, let's end this, <laughs> guys. When reality sucks, you can boil a delicacy with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, <laughs> trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon.